Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash yesteryear's news today. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com forward slash yesteryear's news today. Welcome to yesterday's news today, 28th of June, 1917. Leon F. Douglas has invented a new color technique for motion pictures. On June 25th, the first American troops land in France. Today marks the third anniversary of the assassination of Franz Ferdinand and the inception of the Great War. And finally, what are women doing? That was the news as it was this week in 1917. June the 28th. Which means you're listening to Yesterday's News Today. I'm Shane. I'm Johnny. Welcome. So straight off the bat, I'm going to, because we never do this, and we all oh, say yeah. we're going to do it from now on, I want to, everybody, if you want to talk with us, ask us anything, you can follow us on Facebook at Yesteryear's News, and on, or sorry, no, on Facebook, we're Yesteryear's, we're Yesteryear's News Today on twitter for ynt podcast and we're called yesteryear's news yeah because we couldn't fit today but our handle our handle is ynt YNT podcast Podcast. um so yeah if you have any queries or notes or corrections or kind words or any words because we don't get enough um (laughs) follow us there and yeah even even if you hate us like let us know yeah and wherever you're listening to this we're on itunes stitcher soundcloud and any podcast catcher really so if you're listening to this and haven't subscribed, please do. And if you could, you can rate and review us once. It's a good review, hopefully. But yeah. it really helps, like, reviewing the show. So if you like it, yes. please do. It, it makes it easier to continue to do them. Absolutely. We need a reason. Like, we need to yeah. know. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, put, just, we put a lot of time into this. Yeah. We want to we know that you know there's a reason yeah and reviews help like the more reviews you get like i'm more inclined to download something if it's got 35 star ratings like yeah yeah so what happened in 1917 june 28th is our release date um well do you want me to go into something because i've got one here from june 25th so it's recently yeah, yeah, enough, go for it, yeah, um, and i have something from june 26th so oh and um, i believe i've got something from june 28th so <laughs> then you go first yeah well okay on the 25th which is not too long ago in our current time travel time, <laughs> uh, yeah. the first American troops landed in France. Uh-huh. So that's a pretty big deal, America. We're still on the war. We have been... Well, yeah, the yeah. war's been going on since 1914. We only actually touched on it last week. Like, I don't, we didn't mention it. I think we actively tried to because it's so depressing, but now it's like gotten so bad. It's like, uh, Can't uh, mention it. and the war goes on. And But... But like, and as well, like, well, everybody knows about World War One. But we, at least, I think yeah, we've picked there's up podcasts that are dedicated to, to World War One. Yeah, I, I mean, so have you actually have you seen the Great War on YouTube? No, no, no. Oh, it's excellent. Well, I really like the person that recommended me to watch it. Was like, oh, it's kind of like what you do with the podcast, and I like the idea that somebody recommended it based on its premise being like ours. Oh, now, right. It's not quite like, but it's what this guy does because he started it in. 2014 which was the like the 100 year anniversary at the beginning so every week he, he covers does, he what does was going week. on that week throughout the four years ago yeah. oh that's really good yeah it's a real and it's i brilliant. think you told me about that before but yeah that is really possibly good. yeah 
but I like the fact that it's although he did start before our podcast because we only, he, like if he start the war started in July twenty eight I think nineteen fourteen something like okay, that. Yeah. So he did start and we started our podcast in December. So he does he'd have been doing yeah, it yeah. six months before we did, but we still didn't rip him <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think we've at least talked about like because we touched on it because we read a war journal and we talked about J.R.R. Tolkien in the war. Like it's yeah, a bit yeah. different than talking about all of my stuff that maybe the stuff today will go into a bit stuff people might already know. But I just think it's interesting because it's uh, it's the it's the week America sort of well uh, they entered the war on April sixth, nineteen seventeen. But now is when they moved. That's when they entered in terms to declare war on Germany. Yeah, but they landed uh, this week. So it's I think you kind of have to mention it. Because, yeah, like, so up until now in the war, America had pretty much just tried to stay out of it. And it was Woodrow Wilson, who's president at the current period we're on. Like, he just wanted to keep them out of it. And oh, yeah. no, he wasn't cowardly. He just I wanted no involvement in it. Yeah, yeah. They didn't really have any reason to be yet, I guess. Well, yeah, they're quite far away from it, really. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, they hadn't been attacked. Like, it was because it was a Euro- it was a world war, but it was being fought in Europe, like... Yeah. Well, I guess it wasn't a world war yet. It was the Great War. It wasn't yeah. world war now. No, no. So they'd remained completely neutral at this point. They still allowed, like, they still traded with nations involved with the war, traded with all of them. Yeah, and he allowed, like, uh, American businesses. They could fund different different armies involved in the war. There was no issue with it. But, and then, essentially, what brought them into the war was submarine warfare. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we yeah. can get to that, but I just... Um, so that scared the bejesus out of them, obviously. <laughs> no, not kind of... No, like a, a very deliberate attack. I'll mention that. So 19, 1914, the war is cleared in Europe, and uh, America adopted a policy of just <laughs> neutrality and isolation, it was called. And pretty much, it's because, like, we've talk, we talked last week about just how horrible world war one was even though i think world war one it was still half the death toll of world yeah. war two yeah but still like 20 million or something yeah it's still More. insane I mean. yeah and it was still the, like at that time like nothing like this had happened and america because they you know they were a new relatively new country more came from europe and american people were just shocked that a modern like that they're like their fathers like the yeah. the, the country that was above them because america wasn't the power it is today then they were like really shocked that this was this could happen they thought this only happened back in like roman times oh yeah and they were hearing these stories and they were so appalled that they just they didn't want to and like the american people were terrified of it oh, and really? so wilson's uh, i think he was up for re-election in 1916 so he's quite happy to do what the american people wanted yeah. and just stay out of the war so yeah and and that was pretty much that like i said still involved in trade and all that and wilson but i think i guess he knew there was always going to be a chance to be pulled into it yeah. so he was his main priority was to end it before america ever got involved oh, right, okay. and he just started like throughout his entire term or this first term he was just negotiating a, a route to get peace or a truce like a good ambassador kind of yeah thing. yeah and he he played like the key role in just trying to negotiate like the terms of a treaty for everyone yeah and yeah and like he needed uh, the american people's support for that and they were happy to give it because of their their fears he actually like there was a thing 
I'm not sure the wording exactly, but he uh, sent a note to the Allies and uh, and the Central Powers, just saying what else, what will it take then this war and. They both pretty much sent back replies saying for the other one to sur- <laughs> surrender. Like so, <laughs> um, and he was trying really hard. And what, what kind of so like a, yeah, the Americans let were allowing trade with all countries and yeah, allowing trade within theirs, them to trade out to others, all that. But the Brits put uh, like blockades on German shipments to the US, ah. so Germany started using U boats to attack them, and that kind of pushed America into a corner and that's kind of what led to them declaring war yeah like you've probably heard like um like the germans essentially they they pretty much announced then that german or that british merchant ships in specified like any zones around britain would be like targets they'd be key targets which kind of not a nice thing to do during during war they're not military just just as you're saying that i am I don't know the full details, but I do remember the story of that the Irish rebels at the time took the attitude of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. And there was a shipment of guns coming for pre-1916 Easter Rising on a U-boat. And it was to land off like somewhere like Coast of Cork or something like this. Yeah. And, but it was intercepted by uh, the English Navy. And they sank it. Um, uh, but there's all these like theories that oh, had they gotten all those guns and stuff, that they would have had like a way better fighting chance and all this kind of stuff. There's loads of things. Like that. Yeah, yeah, and because that's the like, is it the? But then it would have been a weird, awkward situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a whole, there's a document, a really good documentary about how like the IRA and the Nazis were. The, the IRA had tried to, tried to join the Nazis. Yeah, yeah. IRA and, like, bring Ireland into the war as the Nazi party. Yeah. I came very close that we'd have been... Mm-hmm. We'd have the same, like, blood on our hands. As yeah. the, <laughs> I, know. Um, I know that was World War Two, but if we had... Oh, yeah. If we had joined the Germans <laughs> in World War One, we'd yeah. be in... <laughs> we, we'd be in it for yeah. the long the long run. Where by the time we came around World War Two, we fought against them, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Anyway, sorry. I, well, and like there was Irish soldiers. Like this is the yeah. IRA, not the yeah. That's the thing. They're one organization. But yeah, but that's it. So they, but the Germans started attacking the British merchant ships. But and they to be in their defense, but although it's undefensible to <laughs> attack merchant ships for any country and everybody done it. But they yeah. did like were kind of forced into it, considering Britain were blocking their own, or that's what they claimed. I don't really agree with that. They're blocking their but, trade. Yeah. But then this included just neutral ships because just because they weren't like they couldn't tell the difference and like the allied ships would just accompany merchant ships then to keep oh, them yeah, safe. Course, yeah. But then they were just attacking every that like did see merchant ships. They know allies were there. So yeah, and, and this whole mess of things. There was also like in the it's Luciana or Lustiana. I can never remember. Yeah, that was because what you were saying. This might relate to that that was a a merchant ship that was sank by the germans off the coast it was an american merchant ship that was just yeah. sank by the germans off the coast of ireland oh okay so maybe the one you were talking about was a retaliation of that the brits might have sank the german one then that was bringing the, oh, yeah but it was sneaking in with like maybe guns for yeah but that had 128 americans on it so oh well 
now that isn't actually what star what sort of brought america america still aren't into it just yet yeah. but that i imagine that played a part in it definitely but the the germans to be fair to them they compensated america for vessels that were destroyed oh really yeah because it was a war tactic so they oh, like, okay yeah yeah it's so weird like we're gonna we need we're doing this because this will this helps us but yeah. we know you're not involved so we'll compensate you it's such a weird it's crazy <laughs> um, we killed a hundred of your people but we'll pay for the boat yeah yeah <laughs> that's mental um but then the americans get intelligence that was just intercepted from i guess just from spies in mexico that they were talking they were speaking with uh the foreign secretary uh, the german foreign secretary arthur zimmerman and he was requesting that mexico declare war on the u.s uh-huh. to keep america busy and they promised they promised Me- and then germany would go about europe and they would come back and invade america oh and yeah when yeah. they did they would return the which kind of goes back to our donner party episode at the yeah california texas the, oh yeah the yeah. mexico land they would return that would then they'd give that back to mexico so the next day president wilson decided to enter the war because <laughs> so, oh, uh, i know there was some conflicts with mexican troops oh actually sorry it wasn't the next day but sorry yes yeah, so it was but that was the result it was one day i found that he went and he he spoke with congress and that was like march 18th 1917 yeah sorry i just you were going to say something when I... no yeah i know there was a couple of like skirmishes with um mexican troops and american troops and stuff going on around kind of the build-up as well oh like troops were in no like they went down like they uh, like oh like the general actual, the mexican like, army yeah. yeah they took like troops down at the border <laughs> and mined a load of like points along the borders with loads of troops and they had a few couple of little skirmishes and stuff oh okay. i do know that because yeah. i was it was a story i was going to follow up for i can't remember if it was this week or last week because i researched both of them at the same time and oh, okay. um and there was some general in that like he had this failed campaign and it was like his biggest failure and all this kind of stuff but I didn't know enough about it to read into it anymore. I would have had to have read like a book about this general <laughs> to be able to do the story. So I yeah, yeah, I'm going to go back on something I said just because I, I should have been looking at notes when I was saying this. It was just after they found out that it was a few days later that on March 18th, German U-boats sank another three American vessels. Ah, okay. And so on April, April 2nd, Wilson met with Congress to declare war, stating that the world must, this is his quote, the world must be made safe for democracy. And so they declared war on April 6th, and Wilson signed the war declaration on April 7th. And... Also yeah, the next day, from that, he signed it. Yeah, and, but he, um, Britain joined the Allies, that's a thing, because people still consider the American Allies, they weren't the Allies until World War Two. There was the Allied power in yeah, World War yeah. One, but America weren't members of the Allies. They were there. They were an associate power, is what he called them. Oh yeah. So they were their own army. So he did because, I guess, because they were neutral for so long. Like they, because they were definitely a country that was really, really pushed into it. Like yeah. Um. So yeah, and and just some stuff about America's involvement in the war here during the course of the war. Um. Three million men were drafted to bring the total size of the military in America to four million and eight hundred thousand. It's quite a big army. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, because the, the the draft was introduced, and which terrified Wilson as well after being reelected, introducing the draft. But this I didn't even notice, but the Americans were all up for the draft in World War One. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was huge public support for it, and people yeah. just were, were just accepted it, which is weird. And they knew what was going on there, but I guess they also knew how America's back was being pushed against the wall. And I guess the Uncle yeah. Sam thing. Well, kind of a little bit the same, I would say, from World War Two as well. It wasn't quite as, um, like the draft was wasn't quite as feared. Yeah, World War II. Like it was Vietnam more when it got was, to Vietnam, yeah. where it was like. Because nobody believed in that war. I think that was the, the difference. Yeah. And there was the whole summer of love, kind of freedom, and yeah, a lot yeah. more of a thing. People became a lot more anti, anti, um, like system and anti government and stuff more around the Vietnam time. So it was it was a very different attitude, I think, going on with people. Just to mention, because the the reason we landed on this was because the American soldiers have entered France. That by the end of the war, a hundred or sorry, one million and two hundred thousand American troops were stationed in France. Wow! And by that time, a hundred and twelve thousand American servicemen had died. It's quite a number, but still, like in terms of everybody that died in the war, like it just seems so small. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy that a hundred and twelve thousand people seems small. Yeah, when you compare it to bonkers, but yeah, and that's just America. That's just America entering the war, which happened this cool, weekend yeah, yeah. on the twenty fifth. Really? So on June twenty sixth, nineteen seventeen, coloured films to be shown by Douglas. Oh, cool! Right. More uh, film. We haven't had film in a while. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Leon F. Douglas has invented a new colour technique for motion pictures, and then the ad is like, "Oh, you can come see them at such and such a place," and blah blah. blah. So. I'll give you a little bit of background about him and his work and so that. So it was Leon Forrest Douglas and he was born March 1869 and he died in 1940. He was an American inventor and he co-founded the Victor Talking Machine Company. Say that name again. The, the uh, Victor Talking Machine Company. Okay. And, uh, Can we steal that for a production company? <laughs> great name for a production company. <laughs> <laughs> While working at the company, they registered approximately 50 patents all associated directly with his inventions mostly for film and sound recording techniques but in 1889 he invented a nickel in the slot attachment for a phonograph while working at the ea benson phonograph company in nebraska and then in the 1890s douglas also invented a machine for duplicating phonograph cylinders and he became known as duplicate doug (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then by 1890 he co-founded a company which became later it was incorporated as the Victor Talking Machine Company uh, on October 3rd, 1901. Douglas was also responsible for the sales at uh, Victor and therefore is responsible for popularizing the image of a dog listening to his master's voice, which we now know as HMV. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was his... Uh, Does HMV exist everywhere? Do I think, yeah, this y- is Ameri- the, the yeah, American, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but yeah, I didn't know. Oh, well, HMV was. I thought it was an English company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that as well. So wow. So he he invented the slogan, "His master's voice." Yeah, yeah. which evolved into HMV, which is amazing. He also developed the cabinet phonograph, and this was made for women. Right, it was designed <laughs> as a less more of a mechanical device and more like a piece of furniture that was appealing, and it had like, <laughs> um, it was a talking point, and it was discreet as well. You see was the idea um this was not called uh the victrola 
And his uh, I have a quote from him here, which is, I told Mr. Johnson that it was my opinion that ladies ladies did not like mechanical looking things in their parlours. Mr. Johnson improved on my cabinet and the result was the Victrola, an instrument fully enclosed in a cabinet, which was an attractive piece of furniture. I ordered 200. Mr. Johnson was afraid we would not be able to sell so many and I was a little timid myself as they cost so much that we would have to sell them at $200 each. We not only sold those, but many millions more. We were obliged to use 7,000 men to make the cabinets alone. So, Uh he made a lot of money. (laughs) Like, $200 in, what, I say, 1902, so... Like uh, he became a huge success, but then unfortunately in 1916 he suffered a nervous breakdown and other health problems, and had to withdraw from working. Um, and eventually after a while he had to like stop taking a wage from the company and all this kind of stuff. He's referred to, however, as the inventor of motion pictures. He began experimenting with color projection in 1912, and in 1916 he patented a process for filming in natural colors, uh, and this was the first time color images appeared on film that hadn't been like hand tinted because they used to like do the like well, you know like indian inks they used to like hand well, we tint talked about it with uh yeah they do it with photography and well, stuff but remember we done um oh what's his name mckay is it mckay arthur mckay yeah yeah the animator yes yeah with uh when he had the, the dinosaur animations and stuff and he done and it, it was colored yeah, yeah, yeah and he done it by hand well that was like portra- portraits if you went and got your that portrait was done. actually 1912 as well wasn't it i'm trying to think it was so Continu- yeah, oh, no, right yeah but they, yeah, they would have been hand painted, and this was so. This was the first time, so yeah, that it was hand painted. And then a quote I have from here, and it's him explaining the process. And uh, my first moving picture camera made tw- twin negatives, one of red value and the other of green. These two negatives were printed on a double coated positive, on one side on which the tone image was green, and the other side red. When the film was projected, it gave the natural colours on the screen. The first showing of any pictures taken with this camera was on May 15th, 1917. But then he started doing public tours. Yeah. Like, a couple of months later. So we're on, well, sorry, that was May, and then we're on June. And I found this thing in the newspaper, and it was like him doing a show. So like, a month and a half later, he was showing them publicly. Cool. In 1918, he produced Cupid Angling, which may be the first American feature-length colour film. Uh, it starred Ruth Ronald and Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks making guest appearances. In March 1921, the talking machine world stated, this is really weird, heretofore, the best French colour motion machine could not take pictures faster than one second for each section of film exposed. Mr. Douglas, after 20 years of experimentation and study, has produced uh, a process by which colour photographs can be taken with an exposure of one to one hundredth of a second this makes regular motion picture features in color possible so he basically increased the frame rate or not the frame rate the um frames per second rate yeah, and, yeah, comes yeah. and he just made like just better more efficient uh, machines for shooting film and stuff like that he later on went what the hell is that it's an ad on your my pod, our podcast is playing in the background. <laughs> <on my. laughs> Sorry, oh, you went I look. went to check. I I didn't notice play automatically. Sorry, that happened to me. Yeah, that did. I'm leaving that one in. 
that was Windsor McKay actually was the animator. Windsor McKay, and it was 1911. 1911. So episode yeah. 11, but he did, 11. Yeah, the tinted uh, yeah, films yeah. and stuff with the dinosaurs and stuff. Um, so yeah, what he did, what Douglas did next was he bought a 52 room mansion and built a massive workshop in it. Um, and in here, he invented a movie camera with a triple scene dissolve, so you could transition between scenes on the one reel. So you could basically wow. edit while you filmed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, he invented zoom lenses. He invented the first anamorphic lens uh, for undistorted wide angle. So you can get wide angles without like the sides being bowed in and stuff like with that fisheye look. Um, devices for special effects, including disappearing ghosts, shrinking actors <laughs> in a scene, flame illusions and by the 1920s most of the major mo- uh, movie studios rented special effects cameras from douglas and then this got him into tr- or this got a serious thing because then a lot of the big companies because he was like renting and leasing out these machines and then big companies like paramount fox film studios and technicolor and walt disney company started inventing their own versions and he claimed well i invented yeah color film so like Technicolor, he was like, you just stole my process and mm. you uh, you just put in another range of color. You just improved on my invention. So in 1927, he sued all of them in a like a class action suit, all of them together. So that was Paramount Pictures, Fox Film Corporation, Technicolor and the Walt Disney Company. And he sued them for 200 million for infringement of his natural color motion picture. Patterns. 200 million? 200 million. In... Is that in money in... 1927. That's not adjusted for inflation. That's what he was sued no, for No, that's he sued them Holy... <laughs> <laughs> None of them showed up to court or acknowledged <laughs> the suit. Right. So by default, he won the suit because they all ignored the claims. He received a settlement of 20 million. Right. So Which only I mean, 10%, but still. <laughs> 20 million in 1927 yeah. is a lot of money. That's still... Like... Close to two hundred million today, no, like I know. <laughs> it's wow. like way more than that. Um, that's ridiculous. Like I can't. That's that's mind boggling. Like yeah. how much money that is. Like two hundred million in nineteen twenty seven is probably billions now. Like, yeah, like it's just crazy. Um. Okay, last point to have from him is he also later invented an underwater underwater cameras and underwater flashlights. Which he used then in the 1930s to explore depths of 1,500 feet uh, off Easter Island with the Smithsonian Institute. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then he died in 1940. So, But he used to make, a, he built a swimming pool in his house with like, so you could go down one level. And uh, it's like the, it's like the ground level pool, mm. except they like a basement level in the house. And he put a window in so you could see into the swimming pool. And he made all these movies with his daughters of like um, them being like uh, in an underwater realm and stuff like this. Right. <laughs> he just did loads. And then he was like, what if I can get the camera in the water? And that's why he invented the underwater cameras for making movies with his kids. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I, I have a link we're going to put up, which is a link to the first color film he did. And it's kind of a mad looking color because I had a quick look through it and it's Obviously, because it was uh, made so long ago, it's that was a Cupid angling, um, and that it was made in nineteen eighteen, and that's it's literally like the first. I think it's maybe two minutes of it looks like color, okay, and then the rest of it when you're watching it 
obviously because they're such old negatives they're scanned yeah, and they've been played yeah, yeah. so many times and stuff that uh, it just switches between like being black and white that's like tinted red or black and white that's tinted yeah, blue yeah. or green or whatever. I've like, seen films like that like a lot of old uh, noir but it's yeah. almost like a style you know in uh, Aviator when Leonardo DiCaprio is watching the rushes of oh, yeah. the, the dog fights in the air and it's just the like the explosions are just tinted red oh okay and stuff yeah. it has that look like i remember listening to the director's commentary and scorsese's might have been talking about this guy like talking yeah. about the invention of color okay, but yeah, yeah. i have a vague memory of it but sorry yeah yeah so but, i've got a reference point visually anyway oh okay yeah, yeah. but no yeah so we'll, we'll put that up on the facebook page yeah. the link because yeah and um, the link we'll put up it'll be on i'll find we'll put on the description as well yeah like, yeah um It'll usually we like any when we have like notes i'll post them as like a tumblr post and then link the tumblr post on the episode description so there should be one oh, yeah. down there it's good to be beside our yeah. sponsor link but yeah no i had a look through it and it's kind of like yeah for about the first i think it's about 30 seconds a minute is you get a you can actually see the color and mm. it just looks like very very faded color but it's full color like the skin tones everything like it looks yeah, amazing. yeah, yeah. awesome um, and of course it's before technicolor which is that like really super bright technicolor stuff that you see like i uh, i always remember that as a kid seeing um i think it's the old robin hood film and uh, like you know he's in like a bright green yeah, yeah. <laughs> jacket and maid marion's wearing like purple and blue and everyone's wearing just bright primary colors uh all the time it's just because they were like we can shoot in color now yeah, yeah. and that was more technical a few years later that's more getting into like 2030s but yeah, still, yeah uh he started it all but uh that's cool yeah. well just because when you mentioned that because if people are interested in that i'm going to plug other episodes of our own because we started we are like the first time we really well we touched on edison back in like 1904 episode yeah, yeah. but in 1910 so number 10 the episode we done edison's frankenstein first yeah. adapt, adaption of frankenstein then in number 11 we done a uh, windsor mckay the animator and just a few weeks ago we done um well, actually, not a few weeks ago, because we missed a few weeks. We done a birth of the nation or of a nation, and they invented loads of film techniques on that. So we've got a good. We're oh, yeah. building up a good catalog of. We can't help it. We're film students. <laughs> when we do, uh, if we ever do have to do like best ofs, we we can just put a, like a collection of all the film news together. That'd be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I said film students, film graduates. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I, I, what we were talking here before we started recording, we finished film school like what, like seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I have a story here. I'm not sure if it's worth going in. Like, it's not a cheat because this is June 28th, but it's an anniversary of something okay, that happened. Yeah. It's the three-year anniversary. Sticking with the World War One stuff because it's hard to ignore because <laughs> oh, everything yeah. you see. But yeah, so uh, the 28th of, of this month marked the three-year anniversary of the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. Ah... Which is quite important because, like, that, that's what started the war. Yeah. So it's not the three year anniversary of the war, but the three year anniversary of uh, what? Start. The start of the war, essentially. Before you get into it, I yeah. just want to point out I was reading, uh, I've been reading my way through the Sherlock Holmes books, and there's a short story which is all about a letter that might start a, a European wide conflict, right. un- unlike uh, the likes of no- that nobody has ever seen. And it's all about them trying to figure out where this document is and where it went and stuff. And it was right. written before the war. Oh, right. And I know in the second, I think it's the second Sherlock Holmes movie, the one with um, Robbie Downey Jr., it's all about, it's based on that idea pretty much. 
except it's Moriarty is trying to start World War One and all this kind of stuff. Did um, you? Sorry, this. Is, sorry, were you yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Go no, on. were you going to continue though? No, no. Because I'm interrupting with something completely off topic. Yeah. Did you know that who's the guy that plays Sherlock in Sherlock? Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Did you know that he's Doctor Strange? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, and Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, they're both Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, they're both in the Avengers. I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah. They're both going to be in the Avengers, the next Avengers, you'd imagine. Do you yeah. think there will be a scene? So, I, I have this vision where they'll all be in a room discussing some science thing, and Doctor Strange will, they'll both, him and Iron Man will both be talking about some sciencey yeah. subject. Yeah. And then something bad will be the result of it. And one of like, so Robert Downey Jr. goes, yeah, we're, we're screwed. And the other guy says something similar, like blah, blah, blah. It amounts to the same line. And then Bruce Banner goes, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. And yeah, they both yeah. look at each other and go, was he talking to you or me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they should bring in Johnny Lee Miller. <laughs> that's another Avenger because he plays yeah, in yeah, elementary yeah. he'd be good as just an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, yeah, yeah. Just... he's actually I, I was I watching think, elementary um... last night actually because I think of all three of them his portrayal of Sherlock, Sherlock is, is the, the most, most yeah, accurate yeah it's completely exactly but perfect. I even think despite the fact that she plays an Asian she's an Asian woman yeah, I think she... Lucy Liu is a better Watson as well oh, like... yeah definitely Actually, what's his name? Watson from Sherlock is going to be in Martin Freeman. Yeah, he's in some Marvel film as well. What's like, oh, okay, probably think, he's probably just an probably. agent or something. That's really funny. They they have to put that in there. Like, <laughs> I'd be so disappointed. And if like, you haven't, when you're listening to this, Marvel people put that in. Like, I don't know. Like, I didn't do a good job describing it, but you know what I mean. Like, they'll both all be in the room talking, and they'll both say something that amounts to the same danger. And yeah, somebody yeah. says, "No shit, Sherlock." It's just ah, oh, and then they just have to go. Is he talking to you or me? Yeah, yeah, and it'll be it'll be Tony Stark that says, "Though is he talking to?" You yeah, he kind me? of like, breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm gonna try. Like, I'm gonna sit down tonight and try and write that scene, <laughs> just to, <laughs> just so as I can like get an idea of what it should be. Yeah, and just mail it to. But uh, anyway, yeah. Sorry, the reason I brought up Sherlock Holmes <laughs> is because uh, Conan Doyle had predicted that there's like a small linchpin that could yeah, create yeah. it which was transferring it yeah um, like and that's like we we talked about hg wells in the very first episode kind of doing the same yeah, stuff yeah. his is more world war Two. well but, we're, we're plugging all our old episodes here okay. <laughs> but you also probably find is that like they were all very well educated people at the time yeah. and they could see what was going on in the papers in politics all that they knew it was there was a very fine line of what could set it all yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. So well, anyway, tell well, us that's about a good reason to talk about the Franz Ferdinand because I guess maybe great band people. <laughs> people should. I haven't heard of them in a while. Well, I saw them last year. Oh, yeah, they were playing in Dublin. They were amazing. Yeah, so good. I felt eighteen again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Franz Ferdinand, Ferdinand. He was the he was the Austrian Archduke. He was assassinated on June twenty eighth, nineteen fourteen, making this the anniversary. And this kind of goes back to something we've talked about before in the group, a group related to his assassination. Uh-huh. The the other black hand. When we first talked about the black oh, hand, yeah. I was like, wait, what were they doing in America? Because I had only heard about this version, but okay, so now yeah, they yeah. come into it. But they they again uh, listen to previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were even fe- they were on the Windsor McKay episode. Oh, they were on two episodes. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, people just have to. We're just we're after plug in six, like so. Yeah, just listen to all of our old ones. 
Go what? from about what? 1908? No, go from 1901 because 1904 oh, yeah. is it? That's a, oh, sorry, that's a Three's cracker. a good one too. Cracker. I like the first one. Just ignore five. Just ignore five. Was it five is our worst episode? I should rename that to worst episode ever. <laughs> you should just name it to this is a terrible episode. Don't listen to it. Go or, we should, or, we... or skip a go. Go straight to six. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, talk about him for a bit. So he was the oldest, the oldest son of Carl Archduke Carl Ludwig, who was the brother of Austro-Hungarian Emperor Franz Joseph, and he comes back into it. So he's Ferdinand's uncle, and Ferdinand was a member of House Habsburg. I think that's the pronunciation and you know rulers of the holy roman empire and so this guy i'm not gonna like say his everything about him but basically like he had a, he had a long military career started when he was a child he joined joined when he was like 12 and he was like this avid hunter i heard something it's one of those things i i tried searching because i definitely heard this before and i tried searching it and just like the keywords just couldn't confirm but i'm pretty sure i've heard he he had shot something like 200,000 animals in his life. <laughs> but I think maybe it was 2,000. But that seems like not enough to brag about. But 200,000 seems yeah. like too much. But it's definitely the 2 and 1,000 that was in it. Yeah, yeah. But an avid hunter. And I just like Yeah, and so his father died of typhoid fever in like 1890s. And Ferdinand was groomed to inherit the throne. But he met uh, his wife, uh, Countess Sophia Chotek or Kotek, yeah. I think it's Chotek. So he met her. Like they, they kept their relationship secret for years. Oh, right. And I played it's the uncle I talked about, um, Franz Joseph. Like he, when he found out about it, he was came down on them because she wasn't of royal blood. Oh yeah. But he married her anyway, and that meant that uh, none of his children could ever oh, go to the okay. throne. Yeah. He could still rule, but then... He could rule, couldn't. but his son never could. Yeah. Which I kind of, like, respect that, though, that the fact that he's like, well, yeah, I'm going to get married anyway. Like, yeah. from watching Game of Thrones, nobody would do that normally. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah, and They'd so... give their bastard a legitimate name. <laughs> <laughs> but Austria-Hungary was this uh, polyglot state... Uh, well, polyglot empire, just of all these different ethnic groups, and they're all at odds with each other. Like for poli- in terms of politics, religion, race, everything, yeah. and like all of these groups were angry that the flag, the Austria-Hungary flag, that they were ruled under, I guess, yeah. maybe not right, they, that that wasn't theirs, like, and they hated Ferdinand, and like apparently he was a bit of a, like he was quite racist and stuff, like he wasn't a nice guy, okay. apparently he was detestable, but I'm not exactly sure why, but they really didn't like him and but he doesn't seem too bad because like i've heard so like at one point he proposed like a federal government of 16 states like so and they would call it the united states of greater austria yeah but so but they would still like in america they'd still be ruled as separate states which you would have thought would that not solve the problems of all these ethnic groups that yeah you would think but that was in conflict with the serbian nationalists who they just wanted to break off from like bosnia and just form an independent state. But Fernand didn't really care about them, I guess. <laughs> and it was them, like the Serbian, the, the Black Hand were a secret society in Serbia. So I guess it was that, even though that seems like a solution to problems, that caused him problems. <laughs> oh, okay. um, so like, right, so in summer of 1914, him and his wife uh, accepted an invitation to visit Bosnia. 
And I'm not sure what the actual celebration is, but and I'm not sure if he even knew about it at the time, but they, in Bosnia, they were sort of having their, like America with Independence Day, they were having their, whatever day they got some historical event, yeah, like yeah. they were celebrating that, like it was a Bosnia day. And, you know, he's gone to a place where there was people that didn't like him. And he was informed that there was terrorist activity conducted by the nationalist organization, the Black Hand. Yeah. Um, but he ignored the warnings and on June 28, 1914, they both left by train and a big, uh, what do you call it? Just S, like a bunch of them, like a... Entourage. Motorcade. Yeah, entourage, that's a better <laughs> word. So they'd all drove into the city and as the entourage was passing the police station, a black hand agent, uh, I'm not going to get this guy's name right, Nedjelko Kabernovic. Okay. Google that, like. Yeah. So this guy. I think tr- the C is silent. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, hurled a grenade at the car. Oh yeah. And the driver accelerated as he saw the flying object. So good, good reactions, and it exploded underneath the wheel of the next car, injuring the occupants of that. But nobody died. And Ferdinand is reputed to have shouted in anger to the officers. So you welcome your guests with bombs. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a dictatory type <laughs> comment. Well, that's pretty. But fair enough. That's I'd pretty be cool under that. Yeah, concept. like that's. And then uh, I come to Sergio on a visit, and I get bombs thrown at me. This is outrageous. <laughs> that's a, you know, I have to respect that. So, like, they were attacked, but on the way back, the the driver took a wrong turn. Because, oh, oh yeah, obviously they leave the parade and I was like, oh, people are throwing grenades at us. And on that street, there was a 19-year-old uh, yeah. in a cafe and the car backed up and it, like outside the cafe and he walked out and approached the car and fired two shots. He hit Sophia first in the stomach and then the Archduke in the neck. And apparently, as the Archduke was dying... Oh, yeah. He was just crying for her not to stay alive for the kids. Oh, yeah. And then the butt died as they reached the hospital. Uh. Yeah. And, yeah, so the guy who shot them was Garvillo Princip. Yeah, and he was just a young kid. Apparently, like, the, the involvement with the Black Hand was that they actually got gun the guns for them. For these, it was all teenagers that were actually in the crowd. Well, well oh, not yeah. teenagers, but well, there were men in, in these days. Oh, yeah. But yeah, like the night before the assassination, they actually all came, met them in the park, met the black hand in the park with the guns, and they just yeah. lined them up and had them like do target pre- practice. And whoever had the was bet. it just coincidence that he was sitting in the cafe? Then? No, no, that's it. Sounds like that when you're telling the story. But yeah, yeah. they they figured if the attack, if like a bomb attack, Failed. that's the, that's the certain like you definitely blow up someone with a bomb if it lands in the right pay, place and it's thrown at the right time. Yeah, yeah. But if you fail, they're gonna go. So oh, they needed the person. They can only the, go one of these yeah, three ways. They needed the best yeah. gunman at the cafe if the other yeah, one yeah. failed. Like it's like they wanted the bomb to work. That was the best one. That was the the best chance of them just killing them. Yeah. But it also had like a big like it, the 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 risk was still pretty great. So yeah, yeah. So the night before in the park, they tested who who had the best shot, and he was the best. So he was put in the cafe. So he wow. was waiting for them. Yeah, and that's essentially the event that caused the war i guess like uh, there's no real need to go into that is there is it like why that causes the war just uh, can you make it really short and brief and just explain it really quickly <laughs> <laughs> well well essentially like 
Austria went to war, wanted to go to war then with Serbia as because okay, they assassinated yeah, yeah. them. Germany said they would support Austria if Russia yeah. defended Serbia. Meanwhile, uh, okay, Russia yeah. was already getting her army ready because they knew this was going to happen. And then once the Germans saw that they Russia really... were mobilizing, even though they hadn't declared any war yet, but they knew they were mo- mobilizing, Germany just declared war. Yeah, yeah. And then Russians were like, hey, Germany has a beef with France. They always have. <laughs> They've been looking for a reason for war to start. So France <laughs> mobilizes. And then England are like, okay, well we have to help if they get to france they if they want to come here they'll come here so yeah. we're joining france and then yeah of course yeah. It, just, it just kept going and going <laughs> yeah. no that's no, that's the most that's it oh yeah, yeah. explanation <laughs> of course that's um, a johnny explanation yeah but it's good it's actually quite a good story that is a really good story that's kind of interesting <laughs> <laughs> um i won't spend long on this one but i just have an article here i liked this was from the Sacred Heart Review, which I think is a Boston newspaper. This is from the this is from the thirtieth of June, a few days yeah. ago, and it's called Air Airplanes in the War. Uh-huh. So this is a, it's in, from an interview with uh, Orville Wright, or oh, the Wright good. brothers. So Orville Wright, who is now superintending the building of a Big Four Squadron aviation field in Dayton, Ohio, says that neither side in the Great War has been able to win on account of the part the airplane has played in the war. This is, quote, Both sides know exactly what the other is doing. The two sides are apparently nearly equal in aerial equipment, and unless the present conditions can be changed, the war will continue for years. So he was pretty much saying that because aviation's so new, yeah. they're all at the same place. So they're all just exchanging blows. Like nobody, nobody has an advantage. No, so no. nobody can come in and <laughs> wipe the floor. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, if like if America say had the military power it has today in World yeah. War, like the comparable oh, power, yeah, okay, yeah. the war might have only lasted for like half a year and half a million people would have died. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is, I just found like that's really a really interesting. I've wow. never thought about it that way. Yeah, yeah. But and like you know, it, we won't go into the Wright brothers too much. But we've talked. It's where. We can just chat about them because they've come up a lot. We've talked about them in episode one too, but uh, yeah, yeah, we chatted about them in. I'm trying to remember what episode it was. I did. Your man had the hoax of yeah, yeah. this like super plane he supposedly made. And they they gave their opinions of it. Was like yeah, he's talking nonsense. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't listen to him. Do you know where the the Wright brothers started? Like, what was their their first venture? Um, I'm trying to remember. It's a bicycle shop. Yes, in 1896 they. Oh, that well, that's when they started their experiments. In the bicycle shop, that's where they built yeah. their, their first few planes. Which is funny, like moving from bikes to planes. But they also, they invented like loads of bicycles as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> but so like it was in 18, or sorry, 1902, they they uh, came to a beach in Dayton, Ohio. A beach called Kitty Hawk. And that was their ground for their first tests. It's really funny, like they, um, that, well actually, sorry, that's where they had done glided flight. They didn't add an engine until much later. But... You know, like that thing about like that famous photo of their first flight, the one that lasted for like twelve seconds. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, they like because they had so much success. They had like seven hundred, I think, um, followers on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had seven hundred successful like um, glided flights. So, and that's oh, when yeah. they moved on to engines, and like they couldn't like they couldn't get any automobile manufactured. They'd supply them on, so they had to just build one themselves. Like, yeah, and. 
you know put a lot of hard work and tested out a few times in smaller versions like anyway they were pretty sure they could make this historic engine power flight yeah. and like let Eric like call all the papers in the entire state and like had the records <laughs> to show they'd done the glided flight only one journalist he was the only other person on the field that day when they done the first flight <laughs> and that, and he took the photo because wow. uh, he couldn't get a photographer to come so he had That's to crazy. borrow a camera and bring it himself so it was only one journalist that actually was like these guys might be doing something historic imagine he didn't show <laughs> yeah <laughs> They would have just done it again. But, but I want to. So. I want to hear the account of that journalist, <laughs> like, like, oh, like his story. Yeah, yeah, well, he's like he deserves some recognition for being the only person in the country that had faith in these two guys. Yeah, yeah. Because apparently, even after it was successful, and this journalist had the photo of the powered fucking plane in the sky, they wanted like the government then to invest and the military in particular, and they were like, yeah. "No, <laughs> no, this looks ridiculous. This will never." What do we need that for? Yeah. <laughs> and so they couldn't even get funding. It ended up like some guy in Paris then was like, oh, that looks interesting. And they actually came to France. And that's where they built the next plane. And that's where yeah. they'd done the flight that lasted for, I don't know, the time. It was like six minutes or whatever. Yeah. And it was the French military that funded that. And it was only after that that... Um, They're like, oh, oh, this has a use. You can yeah. mount a gun. Ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so aviation in world war one that's worth talking about because yeah, yeah. first war where airplanes were used of course the first use was for recon of course yeah and there's not much that, to say about that other that, that's where it started isn't it or, sorry that's where dog fights started or are you gonna go into this yeah no well, yeah you, you can go which was it started off with like pilots shooting each other with revolvers mm. While yeah, they're doing, because yeah. uh, like they say, say, like an English plane pilot saw a German pilot, and they're flying over France somewhere, and they're both doing reconnaissance. And yeah, they just yeah. start like taking pot shots at each other <laughs> yeah, from yeah. the cockpit with like revolvers, <laughs> which is just mental. Like that's where it started. And a revolver, like a revolver, doesn't really work well if you're just like one hand out the window. No. Shoot. Like you're not like. So then they started trying to use machine guns yeah, yeah and you can't really shoot a machine gun and, and fire at the same time or fly yeah. or fly at the same time that's so they invented the hiccup then in the propeller the interrupter that was yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i was trying to remember the name but yeah yeah so well, we're talking like like we already know about this yeah, yeah, sorry, let's listen. educate our audience no no sorry. like i mean we can but we can do we can do that together i mean how would you describe what what the <laughs> interrupter is it, um, a propeller synchronized with a mounted machine gun on pretty the much nose. It, it it's um it, you basically skip a rotation for when you're firing so you can so basically the bullets leave at the same time that there's a gap and the propellers going by and they're just synchronized yeah, yeah. it's really clever but it, i remember i remember seeing a documentary on it years ago and the way they described it is they basically put a hiccup into the propeller so it while it's going by it just it just goes a little bit slower every so often that you just get the gap and it's synchronized with uh when you uh pull the trigger yeah yeah. that's a and it's enough that you don't lose propulsion and you don't lose altitude or anything like That's a good explanation. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> okay. I knew, like, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't fit that in. I couldn't 
word that properly. All right. But yeah, I mean that's definitely a better solution than shooting. <laughs> like, and they'd be out like with rifles and stuff. The yeah, planes yeah. weren't big enough to have. Yeah, you'd think there'd be somebody in the back with a mounted machine gun, <laughs> but they weren't big enough yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like they would do mad, like they would throw grenade, like they would throw grenades at each other. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, and that's what yeah, that's what the dog fights were, and that's Just where give each other the finger. Like. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you hear the term aces as well. That's where like because yeah. like people aviators doing dog fights would become famous just because it was crazy like the red baron uh, yeah yeah i i heard uh or saw it was the same documentary and it's one of those things i thought was really interesting was there was two pilots one english one german yeah and they had become like arch nemesis in the air but of course they'd only ever seen each other from like 200 feet away <laughs> you know mm. and they would like fire at each other and they shot each other down a couple of times but survived and all this kind of stuff and they yeah, had this like yeah. big rivalry and like all the all the war propaganda on both sides this is like will he ever get this guy i can't remember their names and after the war they started writing letters to each other and they became best friends <laughs> you told me yeah i remember you told this before and this is like they have like farmy family barbecues with like the kids and grandkids and And they were both in this documentary and they're like oh we've been best friends for 60 years what's the name documentary i can't remember it's years since i've seen it it's just information sticks in my head if we find it out between now and the episode going up we'll put it Uh, yeah yeah definitely but but it's just one of those things i find so interesting that like they were but all the like the idea of these guys being enemies, like they probably had like three dog fights together. Yeah, yeah. But it was enough. What the, the propaganda built around them and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, that's still like boxers and UFC guys. Like a trilogy of fights is like yeah. a huge. That's a lifetime of feuding and training yeah. and I'm trying to do that quietly. <laughs> well, um, I, have you ever seen the Blue Max? Before, because I'll forget. I just want to correct. Sorry, yeah. I said the reason they were shooting at the window because there wasn't two-seater but there actually was the bristol type 22 plane was a two-seater but i think yeah. that came later a bit later oh, yeah, into yeah. the war and it still wouldn't have been you know wasn't stable so no, no. but it's just so as nobody calls me there was a two-seater yeah. but typically they're all and there was like there was long like the bomber plane but you can't shoot yeah. out of a bomber player either no, no. sorry um, but no you've ever seen the film the blue max and they shot it in ireland and it's about a, a german pilot in world war one and he's trying to get this medal which is the blue max i think it's if you shoot down like eight planes hmm. this is like a huge deal it's a really low number i think it's eight confirmed but that's like a like, and it was such a big deal because it was so rare yeah, yeah the whole film is about it is that he does it but they couldn't confirm like one of his kills and so he has this like huge rivalry with like other pilots and he has this huge rivalry with like his commanding officer and all this stuff because he's like oh, i got my age where's my medal and stuff it's really really good and they shot it in ireland so they shot they shot on o'connell street as berlin <laughs> and well, yeah this, like. this is where it gets better is then they shot all the dog fights over mead right and my dad was doing his leaving cert right he was studying for his leaving cert while they were filming it and one of his teachers was a huge fan of like world war one because this is back in yeah, yeah i'm trying to think be mid 60s maybe so what the, the teacher did was just like oh we're gonna study outside today boys <laughs> <laughs> so they could watch the dog fight because wow. it was overhead and he was like it was like the week before he started doing his leaving cert exams so he was like 17 18 
And he said they just spent all day just sitting outside watching the planes doing the dog fight over That's it. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, apparently it's a great movie. Uh, great. I've seen it. Um, did you see? Really, really did you see that air show that was on during your wedding? Not well, not the night before your wedding. That was. No, just I, don't, I totally missed it. Yeah, loads of people said it to me, but I missed it. Yeah, because me and the girlfriend were coming down to me. We just that's why we were late. Like we were just like, wow, there's a air show on over yeah. to Shannon for some reason. But but I'm back to planes in war. Like that. Like it's just so odd because it was so new and everybody had planes. Like one of the big problems was. Just that there were regular planes without any military Americans. <laughs> so yeah, ground, yeah. ground troops would just shoot down any plane they saw. And so most planes that were shot down at the beginning were their own. And so that's where they added. Uh, you see them like, because it is weird. It's confusing looking at them all. They're just the uh, symbols that were on planes in World War One. It's all just like a blue circle with a red dot or a red yeah, circle yeah. with a red dot. But they were all specific symbols for a country like. Oh, yeah. But it's hard to tell if you're hitting an enemy or an ally. Like, is that what you're saying? Well, no, they were introduced to it, so as you could tell, but they didn't want to advertise the fact either that it was Germany by having the German flag. So it's like you could tell if they were close enough that you could actually see the symbol. You could oh, see yeah. which country it actually belonged to. If you couldn't see what, what, what the symbol was, well, they were too far away to make the shot anyway. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it was actually, it's actually a really clever way to, to mark them. Like, Yeah, yeah. So as they can still bring troops in or do whatever other business they're doing. But if you're close enough to be shot, the person shooting them will at least know who he's shooting down. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, of course, you had floating airships in World War One, And they were bombers. Like, that's what we talked about before, that they were called baby killers. Yeah. It was mainly the Germans that used them. Everybody had, had them. German, France and Italy, I think they were the ones that used them. And Germany had, like, a huge bombing campaign over Britain. That's where they were called baby killers, because they just kill civilians. But yeah, and then you had yeah all the all the famous. I've got a list of uh, famous uh, aces here. Okay, just before you go into that, while I have, um, yeah, it's George Peppard, who was in the Blue oh, Max, okay. and it was in nineteen sixty six. Yeah, and they shot over in Ireland and stuff. So they shot Ireland for Germany. <laughs> right. Sorry, so yeah, I'm gonna put up a. That's our that's our recommended movie of the week. <laughs> so so yeah, go into the uh... yeah. Well, it's just a list, really, just because it's more like so. Uh, Manfred von Richthofen, he's German, oh, obviously. Uh, Eighty victories. Whoa! Do you know who he was known as? Huh? The Red Baron, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Ernest uh, Udit, he had sixty-two victories, famous for using a parachute to survive getting shot down. Oh, Werner wow. Voss, German. 50 or 48 victories. Edward Manuk was a British soldier with uh, 73 victories and the, he was the the most victorious of all all Brits followed up by William A Bishop who had 72 René Fonk who had 75 and Eddie Rickenbacker Reichenbacher oh, yeah, who was an American and 26 victories and that's as you're on that on the numbers the medal is for when you get 20 kills Oh, okay. the film the Max, but it's based on fact like there was this medal for, but still like 20 kills it seems like in the world of video games you're like that's nothing you know yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. but what, it's such a huge number this is a, uh, an interesting fact that I just kind of I didn't realise I'd taken down but the first aircraft characters were constructed during World War 1 so the first time a carrier based airplane attacked a land target was July of 1918 oh, near wow. the end of the war 
We could do that next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. But yeah, and that's pretty much. But I will say, because, you know, we talked about the Wright brothers there. Yeah. Link, link, link. So Wilbur and Orville, I would suggest a biography of the Wright brothers, especially as an audio book, because it is on Audible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's good. Like that's if you want a really good in-depth biography, 22 hours long, you get a, a good you're getting it for free but so it's worth your money but free but if you want a shorter one there's ones to conquer the air and that's a uh, the wright brothers and the great race for flight and that's a six hour audiobook and you can get that for free and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash yesteryears news today because they sponsored us <laughs> yeah. and um yeah and make sure like you can get any book like yeah we've like actually even like we we talked we've done the donner party episode before audible were even sponsoring i was saying like oh read this book and it's on audible and it is even though i didn't know at the time i was just guessing because audible has everything so i took a wild guess and i was oh, right yeah, yeah. you've the, been talking about audible since like episode one and <laughs> finally last week and or this last week they started sponsoring <laughs> yeah for real but i think desperate passage i can't remember the writer's name but that's the donner yeah. party book and that's on audible so you get that too that and that's yeah genuinely a really good read they've got like 150,000 books to choose so you'll find something you like so audibletrial.com forward slash yesteryears news today and make sure to use that like that url because yeah because that's how they know we sent you yeah otherwise they don't i know you have some other items there but before you go into yours i just want to read one thing to you that i really liked yeah and i think you'll like this uh, this might be like this might be the first like local Irish paper that we've used on this show. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is from the Waterford News on the fifteenth. Is that G- the Waterford Whisper News? <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, what date are we on again? Nineteen seventeen. No date the twenty eighth. Twenty eighth June. Yeah. yeah. So this is pretty old, <laughs> um, but I have to use it because. I just saw the Waterford News. Yeah. But so it's from the 15th of June. So we received the following interesting letter this morning. So the letter is from 7th of June, 1917. Yeah. Dear Mr. Downey, during the course of my duty a few days ago in the recently evacuated German area, I happened to enter one of the dugouts. And on looking round, I noticed on top of the ammunition box an English newspaper, which had evidently been doing duty as a tablecloth. Curiosity prompted me to further investigate the paper. Need I say that I was mildly surprised to find that it was an old copy of the Waterford News. <laughs> <laughs> the only conclusion which I could come to was that it had been forgotten by some of our boys when they rented the part of the country from Fritz for the summer months. Assuming that it could be a matter of interest to you to know that your widely read paper even penetrates the German trench. I take this opportunity of sending this brief account of the incident. Sincerely yours, Gerald N. Coughlin. Also, they went to the... Oh, they took a German trench. Yeah, and he... And the paper was being used. And it was the water for news. Yeah, yeah. And it was That's a so... really old one that had been probably there, like, before the war even kicked off. And That's the, hilarious. A German just picked it up and was like, ah, sure, this will be a fine tablecloth. That is so funny. <laughs> And he wrote in to tell him. That's really That good. is brilliant. I like that. So, while we're still talking about the war, I found this column in a newspaper from this week in 1917, which was in, uh, titled, What Are Women Doing? <laughs> <laughs> what uh, are they doing? 
Yeah, and it was just a load of little different sentences, um, just saying stories about achievements of oh, women okay, in industry cool. and stuff. So that's really cool. I have a couple of them here. I picked the best ones, basically, because there were loads of them. So New York City has now a motor brigade comprised of women who will offer their services to the government. Another one. A Miss Helen Moore of Seattle is probably the only automobile oil saleswoman in the whole of the United States. Over 2 million suffragettes in the United States have agreed to take up farming during the course of the war. A recent appearance of Miss Jeanette Rankin in the Senate chamber in Washington marks the first time that a woman has ever been accorded the privilege of the floor of that body. And then uh, Miss Leo F.F. Warner has been appointed a special officer in Hampstead because of her success in trailing burglars aided by her trained police dog. Oh, that's another movie. <laughs> that is a movie. Uh, Miss E. Stowsbury, one of the wealthiest women in Philadelphia, has been appointed to the chair- uh, chairmanship of the War Committee of Women's Section of the Navy League. And since the war began... It's my favourite. Because <laughs> it's just a statement. Since the war began, Italian women have been granted more liberties than they ever had in that country. <laughs> And there's nothing else. There's oh, nothing else. Wow. No explanation. No samples. No. Just to call back to another episode, because Suffragette, that's uh, the original, that's the feminist movement. Yeah, and we yeah. talked about them. And I'm not sure what episode, but it was around... I think about around nine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very good. That's just something that reminded me, because I was actually thinking about this randomly the other day. Just because, yeah, like during wars, like you, like like we heard, there was like millions of people sent, millions of men sent off to fight. So like women would go... A lot more work was done by women, especially in industry and stuff. Yeah, I think because remember, have you seen a League of Their Own? Oh yeah, but years ago. Because the yeah, plot yeah. of that is all the men are off fighting World War Two. Yeah, so course, the baseball, yeah. So, what, baseball league. Yeah, yeah, they try and like make women's baseball to fill the gap, like yeah, yeah, and it does because I don't know how true, like maybe that's exaggerated for the movie, but I remember seeing that as a kid, hating it, but like. That's a really good... I really want to watch that again. That sounds like it should be a great movie. That's a really good plot. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen like, it It's a really yeah. good little historical document like about women filling the gap in entertainment yeah, yeah. and sport. But it's just like, yeah, women just went into factories and all sorts of stuff. But it, it seems like it was more of a World War Two thing. Yeah. Because there was yeah. a lot well, of propaganda. Well, there was more, well, there was more there was... people, more Americans sent off in World War Two. Yeah, so. yeah, and there was the whole thing of like all those posters of like women flexing their muscles in factories and stuff like that that was more of a world war ii thing and their population had dropped so much after after as well like yeah yeah i have one more quick thing well it's not well no it is a quick thing but i really i have to do this because it's very good so and it's to continue with something we done last week we done a war journal oh yeah yeah uh littler and this week i have another one from bigger (laughs) (laughs) this is robert Lindsay mckay Lindsay mckay so and it's just this is uh, this is taken directly from uh, www.firstworldwar.com. That's where there's journals on there and a really cool timeline. That's a really good site. Um, it's not huge. It's not filled with content, but the content to have is really good. Oh, yeah. Like they have about six war journals, but each war journal is full. Oh yeah, okay. So they're really good and they're submitted by people. I think it's an ongoing thing. So you know. Oh, like people find their granddad's journal yeah, or whatever. That's, like, yeah, yeah. that's exactly this, the introduction to this one is this is the first world war diary of my grandfather Robert Lindsay McKay 
OBE, MC, MB, loads of titles. He had loads of accolades. Uh, given an account of his day-to-day life in the 11th Battalion of the Ariel and Sutherland Highlanders from 1915 until the end of the war. So he's a Scottish lad. OBE, that means he's a knight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just read all because there's... It's OBE, <laughs> yeah. MC, MB, CHB, MD, DH, DPH... In other, in other words, badass. Yeah, <laughs> it's just I know what OBE is, but with all those letters together, they just all blended oh, yeah. in. But now he's got a really good diary. Yeah. But we went long last week, so I'm I'm going to only read the month of June's one for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the heading of this on the website is called "The Best of War." <laughs> so at least it's not as down as last week. So he was enjoying himself anyway. Friday, first of June, field day. Awfully funny. McLeod lost himself, attacking the enemy on a front of 500 yards with a company of 30 strong, organised in four platoons and four sections each. <laughs> did, did it explain what he meant by lost yeah, I, I was really confused. We'll get to it, but this is continuing from that. Strength of, each sec- strength of section equals one man, command by himself. This is the only mistake that Michael McLeod ever made. In action afterwards, he showed himself absolutely magnificent and extremely efficient. So field day, this was a practice. Oh, okay. So lost himself, Just I guess he just meant he went crazy and just went. Have you ever seen, you know, that World of Warcraft, one of the original YouTube videos from like 10 years ago where they're all organizing an attack in World of Warcraft? And then one guy just goes, Leroy Jenkins, and runs in, <laughs> and everybody, this guy essentially Leroy Jenkins that. <laughs> okay. But just in a field day, but just to illustrate why you're done, this is how a field day, I have here how a field, how it should work. So a field day, yeah, a military exercise. So a company should be 200 men. This would be organized in four platoons of 50, with sections of 12 men. A company is capable of attacking on front of about 150 meters, and so this is because a divisional frontage is normally one kilometer or one yeah in intensive warfare so with a company the size of a platoon he attacked a frontage 50 times what a company should attack or 200 what a platoon should attack <laughs> so a section should be three fire teams so 12 men maybe give or yeah. take a one man so and he was one so a one man section is a joke essentially okay yeah. uh, the company commander shouldn't be compa- commanding individual sections yeah so yeah. yeah so he just but i just loved it like so knowing that now to read it again field day awfully funny mcleod lost himself attacking the enemy on front of five thousand yards with a company of 30 strong organizing four platoons of four sections each so <laughs> it's just mcleod done so i'm going to continue with him now this is later that so <laughs> Dined with A Company, read the Browning Love Letters. So Browning Love Letters, that's a letters between this guy and his girlfriend. These famous love letters. So read the Browning Love Letters at night in bed. Disappointed, though not displeased. Felt I could have written a better love letter in spite of my tender years and lack of experience. (laughs) 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 So he was hoping to get like something seedy out of it, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Or he was just a good romantic uh saturday 2nd heard the staffer camblin 
the adjutant is going away to a base job and a new adjutant is required. Three names mentioned for the job. Hood, McLeod and myself. McLeod was the guy who lost himself. Yeah. Who liked the who liked the work immensely, but fear there's absolutely no chance. Great meeting at night at A Coy to celebrate A. G. Cameron's well earned military cross. Um maybe these aren't as funny to continue with, but it'll all work for that last one. I I'll edit this stuff out if it, I just want to do a quick scan to see. Yeah, yeah, we're fine. Okay, right. Uh, June, 3rd June, church parade took over B. Coy, Vince McLeod. Oh, who who became a student. So McLeod actually got it. The guy who lost himself, actually, he got the job. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Out riding in the afternoon on Donald. The M.O.'s horse. <laughs> this is like Albert Hunter who like yeah, yeah, yeah. remember he like he had a friend I can't remember the friend's oh, name yeah, yeah. but the friend was named Michael let's say and it's like and Henry he, Henry that was it and like Whoa. and then he met a horse named Henry <laughs> um, was he Douglas yeah I think sorry what did he say there Douglas McLeod yeah no no the horse oh sorry yeah uh, the, yeah yeah horse, <laughs> horse was was riding Douglas good name for her horse great name for a horse um oh well it continues about the horse uh sorry hold on yeah yeah it continues the beast bolted i lost my stirrup and cap and couldn't stop the brute (laughs) nearly had many he even writes scottish nearly had (laughs) many accidents after going about two miles like old john gilpin it stopped (laughs) then we cantered back the same distance a few miles to pick up the various parts of my equipment which lay on the road news <laughs> news of the death of colin mcneil at the base well he's having like he's he's having good crack in the world. <laughs> yeah. uh out all day is oc number one coy in outpost got down very well seventh harry lauder came to us at night accompanied by william hogg mp a liberal i'm sorry to say <laughs> but a notorious hunter his speech to the men was in shocking taste and very ill chosen eight louder again a party of us rode over to see him ninth practicing with tanks a full day tenth church parades cricket Mm, did rather well not much there sixteen swimming in the river conch rode a tank two take tremendous heat that's a a great entry (laughs) basically Uh, it was great crack, but it was hot. Sunday 17th, lay in bed until 10am. Some luxury for active service. <laughs> 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 I haven't even slept in to bed in bed until 10am in like I don't know months. Yet. I couldn't tell you. Uh, well, no, actually, I think I did a few weeks ago. 18, prosecuting, field general, court martial, blah, blah. Very hot day, yet hails. Yeah, we had hailstones. Uh no, June, I, wow. Yeah, although we had hailstones a few weeks ago, no, that's like true. two weeks ago we had yeah, them. We um, there's not much funny there. Out training, yeah. No, I think that's it. Like, there's more. Like, that's one month of his. So, like, go <laughs> on to the website and give it a start. That's going to be a great read. And yeah, I think that was that. It was that the news as it was this week in 1917. I believe it was. Well, then we'll see you in the future. Don't you mean the past?